Let's come here. I pray you'd open our hearts up to your word. I pray you'd just uh, speak through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I got a confession today. Um, in high school, I was a helpless romantic. Now, this might be dating me, but uh, does anyone know who Delilah was? Yeah, from Delilah. So, now just picture this. I think I had one friend who was a girl in my whole high school existence, and the only reason she was a friend was because she sat behind me in, um, in my homeroom class. So that was my only friend. Uh, there was one girl I had a crush on, but that's about as deep as it went. But at nighttime, mom and dad don't know this, I would listen to Delilah at night. And uh, I mean, I had all the songs. Um, Endless Love, right? Endless Love? Yes. Uh, I mean, I was all into Whitney Houston. That's part of my mom and dad. But, but I mean, I loved Whitney Houston. I mean, I was a helpless romantic. So it came time I was going to ask this girl out in high school. And, um, you know, Pete Sherman was my best friend from junior high. He was like walking me through the playbook, like in the same classroom. Oh, wow. He's like, if you want a date, this is how you kiss her. Don't worry, we didn't practice on each other or anything, but like we had a game plan. So the game plan was this. Um, Pete was in this girl's class and I was in a class and he was going to walk to her locker with her. We were just going to kind of run into each other accidentally, right? And like all great plans, um, it's, it's great until you get punched in the face, right? So the plan started off with that. She's in this class and she goes and talks to the teacher. There's a seven minute period in between classes. She talks to the teacher for seven, five minutes. So Pete's in there just like stalking this, this girl, like just kind of waiting for her. And then the, the, belt, the two minute warning rings and she starts walking to her locker room. I'm coming from my class. I'm like panicking. I'm like, where is this girl? How am I gonna ask her out? And um, long story short, uh, there's about a minute left before class starts, and it goes like this. We go out with me. She goes, I'm busy. Okay, bye. I mean, it was, it was like extremely awkward. You know, there was no like, is there another day? And uh, that was about the extent of my love in high school. Now, obviously that's, you know, dating type of love, but aren't we all looking for love? Like, whether it's as a young kid growing up, we kind of want that love of our parents, that unconditional acceptance. Uh, people do crazy stuff for love. Me, me and Heather actually started a show called uh, Married at First Sight, where you just, basically you have two people pick who you're gonna marry, and you show up at the altar and you have to say, I do. I mean, aren't we looking for love? And you're looking like, man, that sounds crazy. It, it, is, a, it is a crazy show. <laughs> but we're looking for love from a very young age. And here's the thing. As believers, if we believe in Jesus, we have the privilege to love God back. And here's what I want to ask before we jump in. We're in the last chapter of John, and here's a question I want to ask. How is your love for God? And the second question is, how much do you love God? Because, see, we've been talking, we've been going through this book of John, and our vision of renovation is we want to renovate our city with the good news of Christ, right? And sometimes it's like, do, 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 do. Right? But I think God wants us to ask a more important question before we do. He wants to say, Me, how much do you love me? Because we know God loves us unconditionally, right? He loves us even when we were sinners. Revelation says this, But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Guys, as believers in Jesus, we have the privilege to love God. And I don't know about you, I don't want Jesus to help me when I get to heaven one day. How much did you love me? Uh, just a little bit. And I want to love him my whole life. And today, 
I want to give us an encouragement to love God. So here's, here's the thing. We have three points, and there's three things we can do to love God. The first one is this. Three ways we can love God. We can love God by dining at his table. Isn't this an amazing thought that God actually wants to come and dine it with us, like have that kind of fellowship? I was with Michael and Danny last night, and we were at their dining room table. There's just like that intimacy, right, when you're at someone's house. And the God of the universe actually wants to have that kind of relationship with us. John 21 1 says this. After these things, Jesus manifested himself against the disciples. And he manifested himself in this way. Isn't this awesome that God revealed himself to man? God manifested himself. And, and, and right here, the story is Jesus died. He rose again. And now he's saying, I want to manifest myself again. In John 1, it tells us that he revealed himself by actually tabernacling among us. Picture going out camping. God went camping with us. John 2.11 says this. He manifested his glory. The God of the universe has revealed himself to us. Now he reveals himself to us after he's risen from the dead. Uh, verse 2. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel came in Galilee. The sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will also come with you. They went out and got in the boat, and that night they caught nothing. So I just want you to picture what's going on here for a second. Jesus dies. They're going to follow this guy anywhere. He's risen from the dead. And these dudes are like, what do we do now? What do we do? This was the guy we were going to follow forever, right? We're going to talk about Simon Peter a little bit today. He was like, I'll follow you anywhere, Jesus. I'll never deny you. But now he's dead. He's risen from the grave. So what do they do? They go back to doing what they're comfortable with. Some people think that they were doing something bad here by going back to fishing. I just think they went back to what they were used to doing. And it's so beautiful that the God of the universe wants to reveal himself to us. And here's what's funny. is Jesus is about to reveal himself to the disciples, and his disciples aren't even going to recognize him. Have you ever thought about that before? That maybe God's revealing himself to you? And you're just too busy to even notice them? And then you thought about, there's actually people in this world who don't even have a relationship with Christ yet, and God wants them to have that relationship. And he's revealing himself to them. So verse 4, this is kind of a funny verse. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Think about that. Jesus on the beach, they're fishing, they're like, look at that random guy over there, hey, what's up? They don't even recognize him. So Jesus said to them, children, you know, it's almost like a, a father to a kid, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. And it's so cool how, you know, in churches we teach like this, right? There's like this back and forth deal. Jesus taught in real life. And isn't it funny how he uses this real life situation teaching these fishermen who haven't caught any fish he wants to teach them a lesson. Well, what does he want to teach them? He wants to teach them that apart from him, they can do nothing. Remember we saw that in John 15. Apart from them, they can do nothing. Think about this. You're a great fisherman. You can't catch fish. Some random stranger who happens to Jesus is like, have you caught any fish yet? And I love this. I found this this week as I was studying for this. They are coming to grips with the resurrection but they still have not learned the profound truth that apart from Christ, they can do nothing. 
reality. I can be a good father without God, but I can't be a godly father without God. I can be a good husband without Jesus, but I can't be a godly husband without Jesus. I can even be a good pastor without Jesus, but I can't be a godly pastor without <coughs> See, God says, if you want to love me, I want to die with you. We just had that Super Bowl party at uh, Andy Christiana's house. And once Jesus came over that, it would be pretty cool, right? He wants to die with this. Verse 5 and 6. So Jesus said to them, Children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find a catch. So picture you're a fisherman by trade. Some random stranger who you don't recognize says, You're doing it wrong. So they cast, and when they were not able to haul in, because of the great number of fish. Isn't it amazing when we're connected to Jesus, how he can turn nothing into something? Are you dying with Jesus right now on a regular basis? You know, as a pastor, it's easy to be like, I'm going to do, 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 do. And Jesus says, be before you do. Verse 7, therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. So inside of Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work. The Bible's funny, just random stuff in there. He was stripped for work. What is that? And threw himself in the sea. And this word here, you guys know who the disciple whom Jesus loved was? Anybody? John. He's be loved. Be before you do. John knows his identity. Jesus, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And then Peter jumps in the water. No hesitation to be with them. And let's just look at this great time they had after this. But the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire laid and fish placed on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of large fish, 153. I mean, I've caught like you, you've taken us on some good fishing trips. You know, like 15 fish is a lot. This is 153. They're dragging it in the net. And all there, though there were so many, the net was torn. This is a lot of fish. And now this is the part I want us to see. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. You know, the disciples were probably a lot like us when Jesus died and rose again. But what do we do? And I love when it says, Come and have breakfast with me, come and spend time with me. Man, the greatest thing we could do if we want to be a part of God's mission is spend time with Him. Because here's what I found when I spend time with God, you know, it's kind of like, Oh, I've grown in this area. Then you spend time with God, and you're like, oh, there's 20 other areas where I'm struggling, and God has to deal with me before he can use me. And Jesus invites him, come have breakfast with me. Now, who in here eats breakfast a lot? Do we have any people who don't eat breakfast? It's kind of like that people who don't eat breakfast. This might be a hard verse for you, Michael. No. <laughs> but God's inviting him and saying, come and have breakfast with me. And I just want to ask you right now, are you dining with Jesus? On a regular basis. Because see, if we want to even see this church grow, if we want to impact more people, what's the greatest thing we can do? 
Eat breakfast with Jesus? How about you start that ministry, breakfast with Jesus? But how are you doing right now? You, you do it consistently? And, and here's what's so awesome about Jesus. If you're not dining with him, and you don't want to dine with him because your heart's just not the right place, tell him that. Jesus, I'm just not into it right now. Help me. I want to want you. Man, my heart's not right. Okay, so we can love God by dining with Jesus. There's another way we can love God. We can love God by living out our calling. What's funny is last week we saw these disciples would come to Jesus. And first he would connect with them, and then he would send them out. And we see this pattern again. Before God tells us what to do, he wants us to be. He wants us to be with him, but once we be with him, then he kind of gives us the marching orders. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, to Peter, Simon, son of John. Now here's what I want you to see. You know how when your kid's in trouble, you like call him by his full name, or there's a name you use for him? That's what's going on here. He doesn't, Jesus doesn't call him this very often. But he's trying to tell him something very important. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. This was a serious conversation. Jesus was trying to make a point. And what I want you to see in this verse here is when Jesus said, Simon, do you love me more than these? What he was saying was, do you agape me? And I don't want to use a bunch of Greek fancy word, but this word agape Actually, it's the greatest kind of love you can have for somebody. It's the kind of love where you let your life down for someone. It's the kind of love when Jesus died on the cross for us, even when we were sinners. It's unconditional love. And Jesus says, Simon, do you agape me more than these? And it's interesting. He said, yes, Lord. But he didn't say, I love you in the agape. He said it in the Philadelphia love, phileo love, brotherly love. And I wonder if Peter just had shame. Shame that he told Jesus he would never, what? Deny him. I will follow you anywhere, Jesus. And Jesus goes, before a rooster crows three times, you will deny me three times. Jesus, do you agape me? I fillet you. You see the difference there? And he said to him, ten my lambs. You see, Jesus had a special calling for Peter's life. But when I say that, I want you to also know he has a special calling for your life. He had a calling for Peter to tend his sheep. He was going to be a leader of the church and a pioneer of this gospel movement that would literally go on and transform the whole empire of your, uh, Rome. And he said, you're going to tend my sheep. Now, I looked this up this week and I came across this. His, Peter, Actions had shown that Peter had not wanted the crucified Lord. But Jesus was crucified. How did Peter's devotion stand in the light of this? Was he ready to love Jesus and was as Jesus was and not as Peter wished him to be? Remember, they didn't want to crucify a Savior. They wanted a dude who was going to go out there and blow up the Roman Empire and give them power. <clears throat> and Jesus like, this is who I am. Had Peter learned a lesson from this? And here's what's awesome. Is Peter failed at a pretty high level, right? Like, it's a pretty high level. I'm not going to deny you. Deny you three times. Jesus is going to be like, I'm done with you. And isn't it great that even in our failures, hey, guys, I'm done with this? 
You know, maybe it's a small failure. Maybe it's something you, you don't want anyone to know about. You just live in shame. And Jesus brings us, at breakfast with Jesus, he brings us to the forefront. He's restoring Peter to his calling. And instead of criticism, Jesus gives him a command. You see, whether it's with our church or the big church, big church, God has a role for you to play. And he wants us to love him. Verse 16, he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. See, the first question, the Lord challenged the superiority of Peter's love. And his second question, the Lord's challenged if Peter had any love at all. Guys, if you had to say the greatest quality you could have, what would it be? Love, right? Love. What's the first of the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. Remember in Corinthians, Paul says, faith, hope, and love are all important. But what's the greatest? Love. What's the most important quality if you want to be faithful to God in ministry? If you want to minister the good news, it's love. Do you love Christ? That is a great question. Where's your love at right now? A third time. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, tend my sheep. You know, I told you Uncle Charlie and Aunt Mary are here, and uh, they came down from Mom and Dad's retirement party, and uh, we were at Dad's retirement party, and I heard Uncle Charlie talking to a few people, and I love what you said. Uncle Charlie, you said, man, we value relationship. You remember this? You go, it's not about religion, and that's one of our core values here, right? It's about relationship, and eternal life is actually about relationship, and Uncle Charlie was talking about this, and I won't go into all Uncle Charlie's successes, but he's been a very successful Businessman, his wife's one of the best. They got two great cousins. Well, I regret it. They didn't live in Houston, so I could have done them a little bit better, but I forgave them for that. Moved to Arizona. Yeah, she moved to Arizona. <laughs> and he actually has some funny stories to tell about me. I guess I drove when I was four years old in California, so uh, there's a reason I'm such a good driver as Uncle Charlie. And he was telling us that, like, I would be on his lap, he'd be doing the, the gas and the brakes, and we'd go by cops, and he would just wave at him, and they'd kind of be like, you know, gotta give him a double look, so I guess I drove it forward. And uh, I was a very expensive eater back then. He would drop 50 bucks, this was like, you know, 30 plus years ago on food, so it's like 100 bucks. We eat oysters, so very expensive taste in food. Maybe it was a custom, it was a business I worked for, I didn't have that kind of money. But <laughs> <laughs> he expensed it, right? <laughs> he left that part out. <laughs> But Uncle Charlie and Mary, like I said, great, great family, great kids, and they bring their kids up in a great way. And I love what Uncle Charlie said about that, but he said something else. He said, you know what I love about my church? His church started out just like a church plant. They're, they're a huge mega church now. But he said, the thing I love most about our church is we feed the hungry. And he goes, we can be fed, was it 4,000 people? 50,000. 50,000 meals. They packed 50,000 meals in their church, and they fed the hungry. And see, God had a ministry for Peter. Not most of you guys are going to have that type of ministry. Not most of you guys are going to be called to pastor a church or plant a church. You are part of a church plant, so you are kind of in a way. But Uncle Charlie feels called that, man, this is the greatest thing I can do right now is man, feed the hungry. He has a calling, a ministry, a purpose. And Aunt Mary didn't talk to me about this too, but I know she's on board with it as well. 
So my point in saying that is, is God is restoring Peter to this ministry, but he has a ministry for all of us, right? And the funny thing is, is it starts right in your home. It starts with those little critters who at times you love and at times you want to pull their hair out. It starts right there. But it's also in your neighborhood, right? God has put us in places to share the love of Christ wherever we're at. And as Uncle Charlie said, it's not about religion. We talk about it all the time. It's about relationship. What I said earlier is believers. See, non-believers can't love God. Not, they could if they believe in Christ. But the only difference, well, not the difference, but, but believers can't love God, but it doesn't mean we always do, do, right? But John 14, 21 says this. He who has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. If you loves me, will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. And I just think, the more we are faithful to what God's called us to do, the more God's going to reveal himself to us. You know, I'm sure Uncle Charlie's church didn't start feeding 50,000 people. Might have been 100, right? Do you guys remember when we were uh, doing the food ministry during COVID and we had those signs out there? I think we fed like 200 people sometimes. We didn't start with 50,000. But I do think if we're faithful to what God has called us to, he's going to continue to reveal bigger and better things that he wants us to do. It starts with your neighbor, right? It starts small. So my question is, do you know your call? The big calling is, is to love God, love others, and make disciples, right? But what's God coming to you right here in this season? And you know, sometimes less is more. Sometimes you got to say no to stuff so you can do what he's calling you to. But what's God calling you to? Think about that a little bit. Pray about it. You know, Heather and I, our big thing with our family is we want to know God and make him known. But what does that look like on a practical level? Okay, so we can love God by, we see two things so far, by dining at his table, having breakfast with Jesus, and by living in our calling. There's one last thing. We can love God by following Him wholeheartedly. I'm just going to read these last few verses to you. And I just want to say this about Peter. Do you remember when he told Jesus he would never deny Him? It was almost like he was comparing himself to people. You know, me and my brother like, man, I'm going to love Jesus more than my brother. You know, it's kind of like that a little bit. And I think as humans, we all struggle with that comparison to other people. And I think Peter learned from this. You know, he did in this, when God was restoring him back in the ministry, he was like, Jesus, I'm going to never deny you again. I think he learned that. But I want us to see that he still struggled a little bit with that in his last passages. Verse 18. Truly, truly. When it says truly, truly, it means it's very important. I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself. Don't you like the Bible uses words gird? Like put on your clothes, girding yourself. And walk wherever you wish, but when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now, something interesting about this, this does say he's going to be old. So we do know Peter lived a long life. Now he, he said this, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. That's what we're called to do is follow Jesus. Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back on his bosom at the supper. That is funny words, this picture. Lean on someone's bosom. We weren't doing that at dad's retirement party. <laughs> Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, 
If I want to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. What if God's plan for you is to die a young death? Maybe it is. What if it's for you to live till you're 120? I don't know, but sometimes we got to say, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow him. Peter was still saying, Lord, what about this man? He said, you follow me. Therefore, the second went out among them, the brethren, that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only if I want him to remain until I come, what is it? What is that to you? Isn't it awesome when we have our identity in Christ, right? We don't have to worry about comparison. We don't have to worry about trying to be someone else. We can be who God's created us to be. And I guess what Jesus told Peter here. Don't worry about John. Yes, I love John, but I also love you, Peter. Follow me. This is the disciple who was testifying to these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. And follow Jesus. How do we love Jesus? We sit at his table, we do what he's called us to do, and we follow him. Have you lost your first love? I want you to think for a second. We're closing here. Think about the time when you were most in love with Jesus. Maybe it was when you were younger. Maybe it was recently. When was that time? And what, what were some things that were true about you in that time? Then I want to ask you this question. How are you loving Jesus right now? You know, as that young high school student, I was looking for love. Right? I mean, Delilah had some good song recommendations. But isn't the gospel so much greater? Because it says our greatest love is a God who loved us when we were lovable. And what's even greater about the gospel is even as a believer, I'm still not that lovable, but God still loves me. Isn't that awesome? And that's our motivation for doing what he's called us to do. At the moment I believed in Jesus, the Bible said my sins were washed away from the east to the west. And even when Peter was denying his Savior, that still cannot destroy the love of God. And just when you're in the worst moment you can think of, and especially as a believer, he still loves us. This man who denied Jesus three times, church history says this is how he died. Him and his wife together, they're about to crucify him. And he said, we're not worthy to die like our master. He has to be crucified upside down. You see, if we will be before we'll do, we'll do anything for Jesus. So now I want to just encourage you. Man, what's one of those things you need to do this week? Do you need to sit at the table and eat some breakfast with Jesus? Is there something God's calling you to do that you've just been putting off? You're like, man, I didn't even do that this week. And maybe you should follow. Whatever you do, take a step this week to love God more. Because he loves you this much. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for even on a day where there's a time change where a lot of people are out of town, where we don't have a worship leader, we didn't have to set up. It's not about that. It's about being here with your people, connecting with you, God. And I just pray today that we would love you more. I pray as we go forward and plan and think through impacting more people, loving more people, that we would never forget that our motivation has to be to love you back because you've loved us so much. Amen.